This is episode eight of the Better Than Average podcast. I'm Matt Wyatt. We're going to take a look at our opponents, particularly this first one, because this is the last podcast before the first game gets here. So we're going to preview Louisiana Tech. I'll take a look at them, let you know what I know. And before I'm done, go ahead and just peek ahead just a little bit to NC State since just a few hours ago I got through watching them completely demolish South Florida in their season opener. Better than average. You play football. Football? Oh no. Juggernaut of a podcast. Better than average. Like a radio show that's not on the radio. Coach, it's a great day for you, huh? Yeah, it's better than average, I'll tell you that. (laughs) And here's your host. American hero, man of few words. You're not a liar, are you? Wyatt, I am rolling. All right, welcome in episode eight of the Better Than Average podcast. I'm Matt Wyatt. This podcast is presented by Mississippi Land Bank. So if you're in North Mississippi, you ever have a land need buying or selling, just trust me, in North Mississippi, those are the people you want to do business with. And there's branch offices all over the northern part of the state, 82 North. And you can find them all online at mslandbank.com. So looking ahead at the opponent for this weekend, it's Louisiana Tech and uh, State heavily favored, but there are some unknowns. You know, what we do know is that State's the SEC squad and they've been recruiting at a higher level and ought to win the ball game, right? You just don't know how and by how much and what it's going to look like and that may be could come across offensive to a Louisiana Tech fan. And if I were on their team and people talked about it that way, I'd use it as motivation. Okay, but I would, but that's just reality. Um, But the unknowns are on both sides uh, to a degree. You don't really know exactly what they are going to look like because they have so many transfers. You know, they're not quite 20, but getting up there close to 20 or so transfers on this year's Louisiana Tech team that – could make a difference in how they line up and what their personnel packages are and what are the kinds of things they're running. You know, it could make a little bit of a difference. And for State, you know, just year two, uh, the unknown of, you know, how sharp is it or isn't it right out of the gates on offense because this is the first time under Leach that you've been able to have a full off season, spring and summer and all that kind of stuff. You know, and your, your people are a little farther along. And like we talked about on Episode 7, you know, I think the offensive line is a little bit of an unknown, not in terms of what their potential is, not in terms of the athletes that are up there, just the continuity right out of the gates. The fact that four out of the five starting offensive linemen for State have never started a game at the position they're going to start Saturday. You know, so working that into shape, you can only do so much working it into shape before you start playing other people. And then it really starts to... Uh, you know, come you get a clearer picture of where you are when you start playing other folks. So, yeah, I mean, I would say that there are generally, you know, some unknowns there on both sides of it. But again, what I do know is that just from a from a personnel standpoint across the board, state has advantages, and um, that should play out in a home opener where state figures out a way to win the ball game. It's just. You know, how is it going to look, I think, is kind of the question for everyone. All right, so here's what I'm going to do. This preview, the first thing you're going to hear in preview of Louisiana Tech is a portion of a video that exists right now. It's out there sitting out there on the YouTube channel 
called an opponent preview, and I'm going to do one every week that will involve a little bit of film study in the video as well. Not a lot, but some. Okay, so this is a portion of that video. Now, I took some of the film study X's and O stuff where I was actually drawing up plays out of this audio portion for the podcast because it just wouldn't make a lot of sense if you were listening to it and couldn't see it. And it wasn't that much anyway. If you'd like to see the entire video, including some of that film study previewing Louisiana Tech, looking at some things they ran, looking at some of these players who were transferring in, it's there. It's on the YouTube channel, and uh, I'll send links after that, but you can just look it up. It's Opponent Preview Louisiana Tech 2021. Uh, but that's this audio is pulled from that video where I, I pretty thoroughly ran down their <clears throat> excuse me ran down their personnel, including their quarterback Austin Kendall, who originally was at Oklahoma, transferred to West Virginia, had was basically done with football, and then Louisiana Tech called him, and now he's their starting quarterback. It's not quite the same, but a similar trajectory to like the grad assistant coach who's now the starting quarterback at South Carolina. And that's one thing that the COVID free year of eligibility for everybody has done, has put some older guys on the field, including this guy who's going to play quarterback against you uh, on Saturday, Austin Kendall. So anyway, let's get into that. Here is the audio from that Louisiana Tech preview that's on the YouTube channel. This preview is brought to you by your local Farm Bureau insurance agents across the great state of Mississippi. Farm Bureau insurance, hands down the home team, and we call them that because they are your hometown heroes. In the same town as you right down the street, no sitting on an 800 number waiting to talk to somebody three states away. You just deal with someone face-to-face, one-on-one. Davis Wade Stadium, Starkville, Mississippi, on the campus of Mississippi State. Grass is green. Looks great, it's ready for the year, not painted yet. In less than a month, you're gonna have game number one, Mississippi State hosting Louisiana Tech. Wyatt's got the ball. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Wyatt toward the end zone. This video is sponsored by Mississippi Land Bank, Land Bank, where they understand the lay of the land. Check them out at mslandbank.com. Let's take just a second, do a little preview, learn about Louisiana Tech football before they come running out here on September the 4th. Last year's Louisiana Tech team, 2020, they were 5-5. Five and five. Now They won some close games. They lost some blowouts, including their bowl game against Georgia Southern. They just got run out of the building. But last year was a COVID year. And coming into the year, their best defensive front player, Willie Baker, who was going to be a senior in 2020, he went ahead and opted out. Now, he's back this year. We'll talk about that. Then, as the year went on, two things popped up for them. Opt-outs happened progressively throughout the year. Their left tackle, some others, uh, a receiver. And then their quarterback got hurt with a few games left in the season and was out. So... It was really an odd year for them. They didn't have much experience coming back anyway, so they struggled. LaTeX wins last year were a one-point win at Southern Miss, a blowout over Houston Baptist, then a one-score win over UTEP, a double overtime win by a field goal over UAB, and then they win by 11 at North Texas. Their losses, they got blown out by BYU, they got blown out by Marshall, They lost to UTSA by one point. Then they got blown out by TCU at the end of the year and embarrassed in their bowl game. So their losses were bad. 
Some of their wins were close. They were right there. They scratched and clawed to get to five and five. And that's what good programs do. And they've played in a lot of bowl games recently. So the fact is they have a good program and Skip Holtz knows what he's doing. Start with the offense. We'll start right there. Up front is sort of the key for them. They didn't have much of a run game last year. They couldn't get it going. As you said, you know, they had an opt-out at one tackle at one point in the year. They played five different offensive tackles at, at, at some point in the year. So there wasn't a lot of continuity up front. They couldn't run the ball. Speaking of quarterbacks for Louisiana Tech, you might have noticed I actually posted this video and then came back, deleted it, and I'm, I'm making an adjustment because I got a little bit in a hurry on the first one and didn't realize that there is another quarterback in the mix. So Luke Anthony transferred to La Tech a couple of years ago from Abilene Christian. And he's actually played here in this stadium at Davis Wade before. He started in 2019 for Abilene Christian against Mississippi State. He was La Tech starter last year. And then uh, at the end of the year against TCU, he got a broken leg. As it turns out, that leg didn't necessarily heal up the way they wanted it to as quickly. And I think the coaching staff was a little iffy on betting completely on him being their guy the whole way going forward. So they brought in a transfer from West Virginia, Austin Kendall. Austin Kendall started his career at Oklahoma. He was a, a backup to Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray at uh, Oklahoma. Then he was a backup to Jalen Hurts, so he transferred to West Virginia. Started his first year at West Virginia, and then last year, in 2020, didn't win the starting job. Became a backup. It was his final year. At the end of the year, though, he came into the bowl game for West Virginia uh, as a backup and led them to a big come-from-behind win over Army. Well, he thought he was done. He went and got a job. He was on a salary. He had a company computer, and La Tech and Skip Holtz called him brought him in for a visit and talked him into playing one more year, a sixth year as a super senior. And so Austin Kendall, the former Oklahoma, former West Virginia quarterback, does appear to be maybe the guy who will lead their offense when they come in here to uh, Davis Wade Stadium. So the quarterback position may be um, something to keep an eye on. He's a former four-star recruit. He's an older guy. This will be his third school. Can Austin Kendall make a difference for that offense? Again, I think it starts for them up front. And while they have some experience back, they do lose one key piece, and that is a guy transferred out. He was a three-time Conference USA, All-Conference USA player, Cody Russi, their longtime solid starting center with a year of eligibility left, didn't stick around to play this year in the middle of that offensive line. He transferred to Houston, so they're gonna have to break in a new center, and he was a big piece and played a lot of football for them, and as you mentioned, a three-time All-Conference player. So they'll build the offensive line around somebody else, not him. They always play with a chip on their shoulder. And it's understandable, right? Because they've always got one, two, three NFL guys on their roster who were overlooked in recruiting. So they're good, they're well coached, and uh, they'll play mad just a little bit, especially on the road in an SEC stadium. The other thing is they add a running back transfer with a lot of experience. Marcus Williams transferred from App State, Appalachian State, to Louisiana Tech. And, you know, he hasn't had a thousand yard season yet. You know, he split time while at App State, but he was very productive, very consistently. I think it's like three straight seasons with a little over 500 yards rushing and several touchdowns. So, you know, he's an experienced guy, older guy, immediately comes in. You watch his film, he knows what he's doing, he's tough to tackle. And so it's a piece that they add to their offense that they really needed. Another running back transfer that's in the mix 
uh, this year at Louisiana Tech actually transferred in from the SEC, and that's Keon Henry Brooks from Vanderbilt. He played in 2019 and 20 at Vandy, so freshman, sophomore. He's technically still just a sophomore because of last year's eligibility waiver for everybody in the country. And it's a, a good back. He was Vanderbilt's leading rusher in 2020, 61207 from Powder Springs, Georgia. He played and started against Mississippi State for Vandy in Davis Wade Stadium last year, but it will all sort of make or break depending on that offensive line, just like it did last year. And now let's look at Louisiana Tech's defense because I think this is where they really are, are very interesting and could make a big jump, potentially, in 2021. Again, you go back to last season, Willie Baker was returning for his senior season. He led them in tackles for loss like the previous two years. And then coming into the year because of COVID, he opted out. So they played without him all of last year. He's back, a Louisiana guy, very experienced, super senior. La Tech had a really good linebacker group and they were actually led by a freshman, Tyler Grubbs. 6'1", 224 out of New Orleans, went to Holy Cross. And um, he, he was really good a year ago, listed as a Freshman All-American by the Football Writers Association, also by ESPN. When you watch his film, you know, he started all 10 games, um, had at least nine tackles in eight of the 10 ball games that he played in last year, led the team last year as a freshman with 99 tackles, and he is a missile. Plays the run really well. He is shot out of a cannon, very aggressive. Um, you didn't see him in coverage a ton. I mean, he made plays in coverage, very solid, but he really flashes against the run. Um, he, he does not get uh, juked, shaken. He is a sure tackler, and he's a really good player and coming into his second year in college. So look for number 52, Tyler Grubbs, linebacker, 6'1", 224. They are deep in the secondary. Last year they were coming into the year, they didn't have a ton of experience coming into that year, but because of playing all those young guys, kind of like Mississippi State's defense, they come back this year, they are experienced in the secondary and their best player really maybe on their team may be in that secondary as well. A guy named BJ Williamson who wears number four plays safety for them. Williamson was a first team Conference USA player, uh, a couple of picks. He's a very active safety. Uh, he tackles well, comes up, tackles well. And that'll be a key matchup in the game because you know State's gonna like if they can get certain guys in the slot matched up on him to kind of single him up and really challenge him in this ballgame. They add a couple of depth pieces and maybe even talent pieces that they didn't have in their secondary in the transfer portal from the SEC. Balen Buchanan, there he is. He's playing corner for Tennessee and uh, coming off the edge right here. Got a tight end in the back to his side. And so he's the eighth guy in the box, just flying there, make a tackle. He's a tough kid, you know. He, you could tell he's not huge, but he'd stick his nose in there. You know, you can watch him on film. He had plays that he made against Alabama and Missouri and other SEC teams. Play around the line of scrimmage, kind of getting a nickel position here for Tennessee. The guy tackled well. He created some turnovers in his time at Tennessee, and he has transferred in there and is scheduled to. Uh, at least according to everything you read, be a starter in that secondary for Louisiana Tech. Buchanan is 5'11", 195 pounds, so he kind of slots as a corner for them, and whether he's a field corner or a boundary corner, just know that you know if he's healthy and ready to go, he's an SEC guy with SEC experience and is not going to bat an eye at stepping into Davis Wade Stadium and playing against that air raid offense. 
They also added a transfer from Arkansas, Miles Mason, who played a bunch of snaps over the last few years at Arkansas. He was there for three years. His third year last year, he drew his first start or two. I can't remember exactly how many, but you know, played well, had a lot of tackles in games against Ole Miss and LSU. So an Arkansas transfer, a Tennessee transfer in that Louisiana Tech secondary in a group that already had some depth. So Holtz and that staff really feel like they have a better chance to be consistent throughout the year on the back end of their defense. Louisiana Tech is loaded with transfers this year in 2021 that are really going to impact their team, make their team look a little different. You start with the defensive back, Balaam Buchanan, who transferred in out of Tennessee. You got the running back, Marcus Williams, uh, from Appalachian State, who will factor into that position. You have the uh, DB transfer out of Vanderbilt, Elijah Hamilton. The DB transfer out of Arkansas, Miles Mason. Uh, Keon Henry Brooks, the running back transfer out of Vanderbilt. Then uh, obviously the quarterback uh, via Oklahoma, then West Virginia, Austin Kendall that we talked about. And then finally, Kelton Hollins, an offensive lineman out of TCU, played some guard at TCU, also played a little center, and he may be in the mix to uh, fill those shoes at center. So seven key transfers from other FBS schools this year for Louisiana Tech. It's going to be one and loss in the line of scrimmage like most games. This will be a line of scrimmage deal where I think Mississippi State has a big advantage. They got, State really has advantages all over the field. State's going to have advantages, but La Tech, I do think, going to be a better football team overall than they were a year ago. All right, hope you enjoyed that. A little bit of a preview of opponent number one for Mississippi State. Like that monkey who sat his tail on a railroad track. It won't be long now. Okay, so there's your preview pulled from that video. Again, pretty thorough regarding their personnel. And there are even some other transfers in there that we didn't necessarily talk about. And they also have a team of you know, transfers who were there last year who are still relatively new and have only played one year. So if you look across their roster at Louisiana Tech, you'll see that. You know, it, I'm not going to be someone who comes in here with you on this podcast throughout the season and predicts how these games are going to go. Uh, it's just not something I do, uh, but especially when we haven't seen everybody play. It gets a little easier to predict things <laughs> once you get a few games under your belt and you can see these guys playing together as teams, I think one of the silliest things that we do in the sports world is we come out here before a season even begins and we start predicting and picking games and predicting win-loss records and those kinds of things, and you're basing it off the team last year when a good portion of that team last year is not there anymore. And anybody who's ever played ball knows you're starting over. You start over every year, and that's the, the challenge. Last year – really doesn't carry over to the next year, um, both as a team and as an individual. So yeah, I'm not a great predictor, and I don't really get into it that much and, and won't be doing it here with this one, looking ahead to Saturday, two teams we haven't seen play yet. I just know that you know State has a personnel advantage uh, across the board. I mean, they really do. And what I'm excited about is you know State's running back position, um, Marks and Johnson. By the way, there's a video I posted this week on the YouTube channel that is a a, a film study-esque sort of breakdown looking at those two guys, Woody Marks and Dylan Johnson at stake, because I think they're going to have big years 
for the Bulldogs. And in my opinion, you can't get those two guys the ball enough. That's just my opinion. But you do have to spread it around, and they will. I'm excited about the running back position kind of out of the shoots. And behind that offensive line, I, I just got to believe I think it's going to be a, a better effort across the board consistently game in, game out than it was a year ago. Guys probably in better positions. You've had more time for competition to develop, for some guys to elevate and start to figure a th- few things out. Will there be bumps here and there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I expect it, especially in this first ball game. Um, <clears throat> but that's just – I think that's a, a natural thought process going into the first one. So that's a lot of tech. Looking forward to kicking it off Saturday at 3 o'clock. See y'all at Davis Wade. Best playing service in America. It already looks like it this year. Okay, and the last thing, did y'all get to watch any of NC State last night against South Florida? Uh, North Carolina State is your week two opponent. They'll be coming to Davis Wade next Saturday. And they opened the season last night on Thursday, the second, hosting South Florida. And it was on the ACC Network. And they had a good crowd, obviously. And you can tell they're really excited about the football team this year. Um, just listening to some of those ACC uh, guys talk about them, you know, reading some of the things. And you can find on NC State, kind of like um, Phil Steele. In his magazine, he picked them to finish second in that division behind Clemson. You know, last night going into that ball game, all the guys on the ACC network, which, by the way, they do a great job on that network and the panel and the broadcast was really good and professional. Um, I was impressed with it. But anyway, all the talk, you know, they brought it up. It's a very veteran team. They've got NFL future NFL players on both sides of the ball. Doran, a veteran coach, has been there close to a decade, so he's got the program well-established. And their hope as a fan base is that this is a year they can jump up and actually challenge Clemson in the conference. And that's saying something. You know, Clemson obviously is at the top of college football. Their roster is. Their recruiting is. Their wins and losses are. It's hard to believe Dabo's been at Clemson for 14 years now, but he has. And, you know, Clemson's one of those that's kind of on that other side of the Grand Canyon from the rest of college football when it comes to their roster and the way they recruit and all that kind of stuff. So it's saying something if NC State thinks maybe this is a year they could challenge, and we'll see. I th- it looked to me like they've got a lot of pieces of the puzzle at NC State, including on the line of scrimmage, veteran offensive line, uh, pretty good. Not as good as you'd expect them to be, honestly, early on running the ball in that game, but they got better as the game went on. And defensively, they, they fly around pretty good. Uh, it looked to me like they'll go about as far as their quarterback will take them. Guy who was their starter, who was apparently outstanding in high school, Devin Leary set all kinds of passing records in New Jersey, goes to NC State. He was a starter last year, but then had a broken leg, what, three, four games into the year and missed the rest of it. And so this was his first game back out there last night. And he looked you know, pretty good, had an early touchdown pass, missed a couple of other throws early, but managed it pretty well. They were just running the ball so well that he didn't really have to, to, to do a ton, but, but I thought he was pretty effective. You could tell he's talented physically, uh, big arm, and you know they look like a team can go about as far as maybe he can take them. For NC State last night, you know, that first scoring drive, they didn't really have any big runs on their first drive. They were about to be stopped on uh, 
the third down play, but then he throws the ball, it gets tipped to the line of scrimmage. It was crazy deflection way up in the air and way down the field. And then one of his guys caught the deflection for like a 15-yard play, and it kept the drive alive. So South Florida South Florida couldn't do anything on offense. They were, they were kind of pitiful, honestly, on offense. But defensively, they were physical and kind of um, taking it to them early, and we're about to get a stop, like I say, and batted the ball up in the air. But, but NC State was pretty fortunate. They catch the tip ball. It winds up a first down. And they came right back and then threw that 33-yard wheel route for a touchdown – they were taking advantage of South Florida being really aggressive and playing some man, so they went boot, wheel route, touchdown. And it's kind of your first look that Leary throws the deep ball stuff really well. He's got a big arm. Um, I don't know that their receivers are necessarily blazers, but um, but he can throw it. On their second drive, they uh, actually got stopped. He missed a throw on third down. It was just a one-on-one. He just missed it, and he had a few of those misses. Um, but then there was an offsides on the punt play by South Florida. It made it fourth and three instead of fourth and eight, and they sent the uh, backup quarterback in there like I used to do, where you get under center, it looks like you're going to run an offensive play, any offensive units on the field, but then he backpedals and catches it and pooch punts. So that might be something to look for certain situations. They may put the backup in there and go pooch punt. Defensively, NC State, um, early in the game against South Florida, they went man-to-man a lot uh, so that they could free up people to pressure their quarterback. And there were two or three times early against NC State's man that South Florida had guys wide open behind defenders three times that I can think of in the first two or three possessions of the game, and South Florida's quarterback just missed them. Uh, he's a North Carolina transfer, and he just had a he just missed them. Had guys wide open, just missed them. And uh, it wasn't necessarily bust by the NC State defense. It's just that they had guys that got beat in coverage, but the quarterback couldn't deliver the ball. Um, so they were up 7 nothing. Then they had another scoring drive. They uh, ran a screen on third down. That was a really nice play that kept their drive alive. It was kind of a big play. Their offensive line, by the time they were up 7 nothing, they get the ball the third time that offensive line for NC State really started to lean on South Florida's defensive front. And one thing I noticed, too, and we'll see this, NC State last night, when they would get a first down or a big play, they would immediately line up and go fast, kind of an old Gus Malzahn thing of big player first down, we're going quick. Um, Down on the goal line, they missed another touchdown throw. It was a smash corner route. They had it open one-on-one. And he just threw it out of bounds, let him out of bounds, couldn't catch it, so they had to kick a field goal, went up ten to nothing. It was ten nothing first quarter, you know, and this is a game that wound up just being a blowout, what, forty five nothing, I think. Yeah. So and then the first drive for them of the second quarter, they really started running the ball. They ran power a few times, uh, where they pull that backside lineman and also lead with a up back blocker, either a receiver that's like a wing or an H-back type tight end. They ran power. That was a big explosive play for them. They had another pass get tipped at the line of scrimmage. Um, They got some penalties against UCF that kept their drive alive, moved them into the red zone. And uh, again, they ran to that left side. You know, their their next scoring drive, next second touchdown drive, both of their big plays, other than penalties, were run plays behind the left side of their offensive line. 
and they had an 11-yard touchdown run, made it 17 nothing. When I was looking at that, at that point in the ball game, when they were up 17 to nothing, um, they had their quarterback had gone seven for 11 for 79 yards, but 33 yards of that had come on one play, and that was that early wheel route. Um, defensively, also, yeah, you had some down and distance situations. They really mixed it up. They ran a corner blitz one time and got to the USF quarterback. Um, when they got the ball back up 17 nothing, they immediately came back out, took a deep shot down the outside and got a pass interference call and uh, uh, a first down. And then up 17 nothing, second quarter ball flipped around. They were going the other way. They took an after the penalty. They took another deep shot, play action one on one down the field, and had the guy behind the defensive back wide open for a touchdown. And the quarterback badly underthrew it for an interception. It was one of those. It was almost like you you don't see balls that badly underthrown too often at that level of football. You wondered if it was a miscue or what. But I mean, the guy was. Easily five yards behind the defender, kind of running a post, a flat post, not a skinny up the field, but across. And he just led him underneath big time, and the, the DB made an e- easy interception. So, you know, they go up 17 nothing. There was some good and bad. There was a turnover in there early. But as the game went on, they took the ball out of the air more and just ran it and pounded it right on down USF's throat and just blew the doors off the ball game. It was a really solid win for them. And I think NC State's going to be a big-time challenge uh, when they come into Starkville next week. You know, we'll watch Mississippi State play. And given what I've seen from NC State, I really look forward to sitting down next week to kind of figure out how they match up. Because if State is clicking and State's playing well, then this ought to be a ball game that could be – it really could be a heck of a competitive ball game at Starkville next week. But that's looking ahead. I can do that because I'm a talker now. I'm not a player or a coach. I would never be looking ahead to opponents if I were in the locker room in any shape, form, or fashion. Because first things first, and that is uh, a Louisiana Tech team with a bunch of SEC and Division I transfers who are going to come in there and play angry and be mad that they are an underdog and they're going to try to take it to you. I'll be there for every snap of it. Hope you will be too. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you on the next one.